All right. So we've, we started a new series last week, as Pastor Bud alluded to, and, uh, and we did have barbecue. Did anybody notice? Just checking, okay, because Bud gave great clarity with the difference between a cookout and a barbecue, and we did have pork, okay? And for those of you that came from a Jewish background, it was kosher because Jesus has made all things good, right? Amen, okay. Even... Yeah. <laughs> It was kosher scrapple, okay? No, just kidding. So we're going to continue in this series, and uh, last week, if you were with us, if you missed it, you can go back and listen to it. We talked about that God's idea of the family is the foundational idea of the family, and it goes all the way back to the book of Genesis. And when you start there, you've got these interesting dynamics that once, you know, the original man, the original woman fell, what actually happened was they tried to cover over their own sin, their own inadequacies, their own shame with an itty-bitty fig leaf. And it wasn't cool, right? It didn't work. And so even from the very beginning, God in his great compassion, God in his great understanding, took the time to slay two animals and wrap over their, their inadequacies and cover them with something that was much more extravagant to give us a bigger picture of what he was going to do in the crucifixion through Jesus to deal with all of our sin. That was how we launched out in this series. And we talked about how that reality is going to actually affect every one of the messages for the family series, because you're going to see that he wants to do the same thing spiritually in all of our lives, no matter where we are in the family situation. And so this week, we're going to look at this idea of singleness, you know, singleness. Now, if you're married, here's the cool news, okay? You're like, well, I'm already married, so what am I going to do with this single thing, right? Well, if you've been married any amount of time, you also know this truth. There are moments of singleness in marriage, are there not? There are moments that I go to the garage to be left alone, right? There's moments I go for long bike rides to clear my head. My wife's the same way. She's like, there's moments I just need space, right? This is reality. And even uh, in this same passage, you'll find if you read the whole thing in chapter 7, Paul and this book deals with, hey, there's times where you go away from mutual prayer and then come back so you're not tempted. So there are things about seasons of single you can also pull together even in your marriage as we look at this. And hopefully you've got some friends who are in seasons of singleness that you can minister to and love on, especially through what you're going to learn today. So I tweak the message and we're going to call it, it's hard to compound single. It's hard to compound single. So when you think of compound, you think of two things put together, right? That's the noun. But when you start looking into the verb of compound, it means to make something worse. It means to intensify it, to bring out the negative aspects of it. And here's what we do in our culture. We do this, but you really can't do it. This is something the culture has given us an idea about what singleness is, and it's given us a false idea of what it means to be single in different seasons. And you really can't compound single. You really just got to let it stand on its own and see what God says about it. And that's what we're going to do. We're going to go through the book of first, or not the book, but we're going to go through the chapter of first Corinthians seven. And I'm going to show you what Paul has to say about being single. Now there's some different reasons why you might find yourself single, right? You've never been married, okay? That's a reality. I know some friends that are actually, you know, pretty happy with where they are. They've just never been married. I also have had some friends that have been through a divorce. Some through what they would call as happy as you can make a divorce, because you, you all know if you've been through a divorce, there's only degrees of losing a divorce. And then some that said it was nasty, drag out, like, you know, warfare. And then I've got some friends that have gone through a season of being widowed. Where, you know, the person that they love and the person they spent their, their life with has now moved on. They're in this season of single. And they're like, what do I do? And you know what? We, we don't talk about these things. And what's so funny is the Bible talks about them. So why don't we talk about them in the church? And that's what we're going to do. So I love the fact that we've got a few people in Facebook that are helping us post some stuff. And if you don't know, Heather and Bud and Marianne have been trying to get some things going on our Facebook. And one of the things that was posted 
was when you hear the word single, what do you think of? Did you see that post this week? Let me, let me read some of the things, the first thing that came to people's minds. It was pretty interesting. Incomplete was what one person wrote. Incomplete. So they feel incomplete if they're in a season of single. Now, one, we want to validate this with the way people feel because sometimes you really do feel this way. But we're going to talk about that's not the reality. You're not incomplete. We're going to talk about that today. Um, some people just have great humor. One person said, old 45 records. I was waiting to see who would get it. It was funny watching your faces. Does anybody know what a 45 record is? You know, there's like, here's the LP, right? The whole thing. You bought the whole thing, right? And then there's the 45. And if you had the dorky looking record player like I had growing up, you had that stupid thing in the middle, right? You had to go and turn it to the side. So it would take the 45. Always made me feel weird that it was a bigger circle for the 45 than it was for the whole album. But that's the way it worked, right? But I thought that was funny. Yeah. And then some people said lonely. How about that one? Actually, several people listed Lonely. I feel lonely when I'm in these seasons of singleness. And again, we're going to talk about how God, even in that moment, can come close to someone and you don't have to feel lonely. Now, that's a real emotion. I want to validate people feel this way. But again, God has a better way with single. And some people, again, I love the humor. One person wrote, oh, would you like to make that a double for 99 cents more? And they were talking about ice cream. Now, that person was warming my heart and stomach or cold, making it cold, but that was good. Yeah. And then one person wrote, Freedom. I don't know if they've been watching Braveheart or if they've just been through a situation and they were thinking, free, right? And I was like, wow, okay. A lot of emotions around this. Now, what you need to know is the person we're about to look at, the Apostle Paul, who wrote to the Corinthians, was single. Now, we don't know if he was widowed. We don't know if he'd ever been married. Most scholars think that he just never married. That's the prevailing thinking. But what we do know is he was single. And the other thing that we know about this letter is that the Corinthian church had written to Paul. So they had written to him saying, hey, we we got some things we're asking questions about. We need some wisdom on. And this letter, he's writing back and he's responding to them, okay? And it's one of the, if you've never read this book of the Bible, it's jam-packed with wisdom for the church and for the people inside the church. And so we're going to skip through this. So if you've got a Bible, open it up, 1 Corinthians chapter 7. You can use your phone. We'll have the verses we're going to reference back here. It's also inside of your notes and handout. And we're going to skip around a little bit. The first one we're going to look at is verse 1. So 1 Corinthians 7, 1. Now for the matters you wrote about, so there it is, see? You wrote to me, I'm writing back to you. The matters you wrote about, it is good for a man not to marry. So we don't know exactly what they asked about, but what we do know is that Paul says, hey, it's good. Now, what we also know about the culture is they, they, they held marriage in high esteem. So it wasn't bad to be married. But Paul's addressing something specific. And I think one of the things that you can pull immediately from what Paul is saying is that singleness is not a curse. Singleness is not a curse. If you find yourself in a season of single, whether it's because you're divorced or you've been widowed or you've never been married, you're not cursed, okay? But don't people make you feel that way? Come on, be honest with me. If you've been single for a little while, different seasons in your life, they're like, well, what's the matter with you? How come you ain't found the right person, you know? Do you not use deodorant or can we get you a different cologne, you know, or what's going on? Don't people make you feel this way? Sometimes they don't even even know they're saying it. It's just the way they approach you, you know? Or they're always trying to hook you up, right? Hey, I've got this friend. Y'all need to come on over, right? And they make you feel inadequate, that you're incomplete, as the people said. Make me feel lonely. But it's not a curse. In fact, when you're in these seasons, you're going to see the Paul says you can leverage them for things that you can never do, maybe when you're connected to other relationships. I thought back to my mom. My mom went through a really nasty divorce, and it happened after she's 25 years into the marriage, which was like, wow, you know, 
you're 25 years in. I'm like, why bother? But I'm just, no, I'm just kidding. But you're 25 years in. It's like you figure you've got something going right, you know. But they went through this hard and ugly divorce. And I remember my mom, I said, Mom, are you going to remarry? And she says, no. And I remember thinking, because the culture had told me, I don't want, her to, I want my mom to be alone, you know. And, and I'm like, well, why not? And she says, well, one, I'm fully complete in my relationship with Christ. And number two, when I married, I married for the right reasons I believe, and then I've enjoyed that season, and now I'm in a different season of my life. And God's just going to have to wreck that in some other different way for me to move on, because this is, I really feel good with where I am. And, and she was. Other people may have felt awkward, but she was comfortable. The other thing that I thought about was inside of me, there's been moments in my seasons when I feel like some people do in singleness because I have such a desire for affirmation. You ever been there? You know, when you've got a dad who leaves when you're 14, it, it does stuff inside of you. And one of the things early on for me is I needed people, especially older men, to affirm my gifts. And I would search that out. And what it was real, what's really inside of that is this. I feel incomplete. I feel incomplete. And here's the worst part. I'm looking for someone else to justify it, to fill the void. And that's, that's not what God wants for you. God wants you to know your gifts. He wants you to know what it means um, to be full and whole in the relationship within yourself. Why is this so important? Because if you try to get that out of a future spouse, you will wear them out. Okay? Because you're going to try to get things out of them that only God can give to you. So he wants you to understand it's not a curse and that you're full and you're complete in your relationship with him. Jump down to verse 7 and look what, again, the Apostle Paul says about this idea. He says, I wish that all men, because he's only dealing with men, that's who he is, okay, he's a guy, whereas I am, but each man has his own gift from God. One has this gift, one has another. And I love what he's saying in this. Here's what I'm hearing the Apostle Paul say to us in this season of single is, in every season, leverage your gifts. In every season, leverage your gifts. So don't make it about what you don't have. Make it about where you are, what's going on around you, and how to leverage your gifts for the greatest glory, not only for God, but for the people around you. Think about people, I'm just you know, thinking about a couple different situations. But think about if you've gone through a divorce. Well, probably in that season, who are you going to be hyper-focused on in that season? Your kids, if you've got them, right? And in that season, that's where God wants you. You can't help, you know, if you've tried to fix this, you know, that's gone awry. You can't fix everything. But you come back to this situation, you're like, but what I can do is be a great mom. I can be a great parent. I can be a great dad. I can work with my kids in this situation. And in that season, pour all that you can into that until God brings the next season. This is why it's so important to understand you're leveraging the gifts that God has given you. And this not only works in situations where you've been widowed or divorced, but also when you're just single and ain't been married. I mean, think about this. Um, I wasn't single very long. My wife's like, yeah. So I wasn't single very long, okay? But when the one thing I could do in that season of singleness is I got a chance to go play um, professional or semi-pro soccer in Europe. Now, let me try that today. Hey, Sue, I'm thinking I would like to go, you know, and just go bike the Tour de France, you know, just not for professionally, but just to go do it. I know it's like 3,000 miles. It'll take me a few months. It's no big deal. Can I just take off from the family and work, you know, and just go do that? What, what's going to come back? You no, know, right? You can imagine. You're like, I'm wondering if, if she'd slip on a word there, right? And so you're wondering, right? Because it's like, that's crazy. Why? Because you've got responsibilities now that are different. But when I was back here and I was just turning 18, I'm like, I could go do that and go and play and just go all over Europe and do all kinds of crazy stuff. I could do that. I had a friend who was coming out of high school. He said, do you think it would be crazy for me to take a few months off and go hike the Appalachian Trail? I said, you better do it now. 
<laughs> you better do it now because you don't know what season's coming next. Whether it's because of work or you're going to be a missionary, this person was looking at going into missions, and you may not get that chance. So it's leveraging these seasons as you see them happen. What if you've been widowed? Because people say, what about this? What do I do in this season? You know? Well, one of the first things you've got to do is grieve. One of the things I think that we do, if we're not careful, is we say, I'm hurting, I'm grieving, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to pull away from every single person, and I'm going to retreat to try to deal with this situation. And when we do that and we isolate ourselves, we get driven down into greater levels of depression. And, we, and in the isolation, we feel the hurt. We feel the loneliness. And we can't process and get through everything we're supposed to. That's one of the reasons why we have grief share at this church. And it's about to start. Um, I forgot the dates. I should have written it down because uh, my mother-in-law gave them to me. When is it starting? November the 11th. And so if you'd want to know more information, if you've been recently widowed, And this is a specific grief share that's written just for the holidays. Because as you know, if you've been through grief, whether it's the loss of a sibling or a parent, holidays can be tough because you're thinking about that person. That's the time to engage in grief share. So never 11, you can see my mother-in-law. She's right over here. She's awesome. Okay, and you can talk to her. And then also we can connect you with other resources through that ministry of how you can go through and manage your grief. The other thing is think about being inside of a group. Think about being inside of a group. That's how you share some of these burdens. Inside of a group, you don't get judged. You share each other's burden, whether it's in a Sunday school class or you're in a small group or a Bible study. This is how God does that. Now, one of the things that's interesting about what Paul says about singleness also is he gives us a piece of wisdom that we totally ignore in our culture and society. Let's look at it in verse 26. So jump down from 7 to 26. And I love what he says. He says, because of the present crisis, that's something you need to take note of. Because of the present crisis, I think that it's good for you to remain as you are. Are you married? Don't seek a divorce. Are you unmarried? Don't look for a wife. But if you do marry, you haven't sinned. And if a virgin marries, she's not sinned either. What's Paul saying? Because you read this, you're like, what is Paul talking about? You know, he's talking about virgins and weird stuff. And, you know, okay. Some people, they don't know exactly what the crisis was. Some of the suspicions are they were going through a grain shortage in the area. Another one was that they'd had massive earthquakes. In fact, Corinth is like leveled not long after this into a massive earthquake. And another one was that there was a severe persecution that was taking place in the church, that people were becoming Christians, and people didn't like this new religion, and so they were killing everybody they could find. So it could be any or a combination of all those. But the application is the same for you and I. Here's what you're seeing in this. Because of the present crisis, here's how I interpreted that. Forgive me if you don't like my vernacular, but I I put it this way. Don't jump into new relationships when crap is hitting the fan, okay? Don't jump into a new relationship when all the stuff is hitting the fan. But over and over and over again in our culture, I see this. And if you're around it, you will. You'll see people jump from relationship to relationship to find value to find value. And why do they do that? Because they're looking for validation in the wrong place. There's the old song says, right? Looking for love. Okay, that, that one. This is what they're doing. And the reason that they're doing it is there's all this stuff around them. And they're looking for some level of security, something to anchor to. So inside of us, we need that. We're just going to the wrong place to get it. We're going to the wrong place to get it. And when you're looking at this situation, this means that when you're having crisis in your life, when you're going through grief, when you've been through a divorce, when you've lost someone that you love, when you've gone through any of these things, don't jump into a new relationship. First, allow God to deal with the present crisis. Deal with it. Work through it. Come to a place of wholeness so that when, if you do go for a relationship, you can give yourself to somebody completely. Does that make sense? Because when we jump into something too quick, we're bringing all of the baggage with us and we need to let God deal with it 
first. So, and that's one of the enemy's tools. And here's one of the things that he'll do. And if anybody that's in counseling will tell you a really cool acrostic you should know is HALT. Anybody ever heard of this? HALT. So write it down. You'll love this. Whenever you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, that's a bad time to make a decision. Let me give it to you again. Whenever you're hungry, okay? Some of you are like, yeah. That's why we feed you before you come into church, okay? Right away, feed you so you can hear what's going on, okay? So hungry. Are you angry about something? You can't make a good decision when you're mad. You're just driven into a primal area of how you're thinking. Or you're lonely. Now think of what most people listed when they said that, what, what, that first thing they thought of when they said single. What did they say? Lonely. You can't make good decisions when you feel lonely. You've got to get back to a place of completeness. Or you're tired. Tired. So hungry, angry, lonely, or tired. When you're one of these things that's going on in your life, it's very difficult to make good decisions. So that's why in those seasons of singles, make sure that these things aren't happening. Do a gut check. Is, or any, is anything that's happened? And then the other thing I would say is get in a small group. I really believe in small group connection. Now at Grace, as you know, we're not real legalistic. So when we say small group, we really mean small group. So it means some friends that I gather with and study the Bible, look at the Bible with, coming to Sunday school before church starts, um, friends from a different church that I have, and I'm going to actually, because of my schedule, I'm going to go and study the Bible with them, gathering the Bible around with my friends at lunchtime at work, and we'll actually talk about one passage that we're going to read. There are so many different ways for you to gather with people in a Bible study in a small group, and we want you to do that as many ways as you can think of and be creative. Why? Because you need that connection. You need people that you really can develop a real relationship with so that when you're going through this stuff, you can say, hey, can I share this burden with you? Have you ever been through this? Do you have anybody that can help me with this? And that's how you find connection. Some people sometimes, if they distance themselves again, they don't get what they really need because they're not connected into those intimate groups where they can really learn to share relationships. And then the last thing that that the Apostle Paul says in this passage, starting in verse 32 about singleness, it's really cool. He says... I would like you to be free from concern. It's interesting. An unmarried man is concerned about the, um, the Lord. The unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affair. How can he or his wife? I can't even get that right. Okay. I would like you to be free from concern. An unmarried man is concerned about the Lord's affairs, how he can please the Lord. But a married man is concerned about the affairs of this world, how he can please his wife. And his interests are divided. An unmarried woman or virgin is concerned about the Lord's affairs. Her aim is to be devoted to the Lord in both body and spirit. But a married woman is concerned about the affairs of this world, how she can please her husband. I am saying this for your own good, not to restrict you. So you understand Paul's not saying this is a commandment. There's wisdom in this. Not to restrict you, but that you may live in a right way in undivided devotion to the Lord. So you see what he's saying is get right in your relationship with God as whole as you can when you're in seasons of single. That way you can actually come into a next relationship if that's what God wants in a good way. And the way I, I, I framed this was concentrated focus is more powerful than divided focus. You see that, right? Concentrated focus is more divided than pow- or powerful than divided focus. I'll give you an example that all of you can understand in this season. Football has launched, right? Yep, and there will be a 1 o'clock game, and there will be a 3.30 to 4 o'clock game, and then there, you know what I'm talking about. You, you know all the times, don't you? You're with me. Some of you are already checking the schedule to make sure you're going to get out of here in time to catch the 1 o'clock game, okay? And so you're looking for when your team is, right? And you know there's going to be a late game, and there's going to be a Monday night game, there's going to be a Thursday night game, right? All right, now listen. All that to say this, I'm not advertising for CBS or the NFL, but all that to say, when I sit down to watch a game, give you an idea of undivided focus, where do you think my focus is? On the game. Now, for years, 25 years of marriage, my wife's gotten really good at this. She knows if I'm doing this, 
you know, I'm watching the game or screaming at the screen, which happens with the team I root for sometimes. And I'm looking at the screen, okay? If she walks in and begins to share something, what am I hearing? It's Charlie Brown. That's exactly right. Wah, 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 wah. And then the worst part is sometimes it's so bad I'll do this. While I'm watching here, and, and then what, is, what do you think she heard? It's okay, right? Which is, this is how, by the way, ladies, this is how you get whatever you want when you go shopping. Okay, so, but, but she's gotten so good after 25 years of marriage when I'm in that mode. What do you think she does for me? She says, hey, can I have a moment? I got something really important to talk about. She knows she has to first get my undivided attention because that's focus. And that's true. Oh, my team. Yeah, this is how it works. And one of the ways this plays out, and I hope you understand this, is one of the top things people listed when we asked them about what really hits the family, they listed technology. Technology is not the problem. You're like, you're saying that because you're a tech, tech geek. No, I'm saying that because what you're actually describing is distraction. That's what you're describing. What you're describing is, is every time that phone goes, mm, you know, have you ever been somewhere, you know, and you get used to your phone buzzing and someone else's phone buzzes, what do you do? Mm, you go for your phone. You're like Pavlov's dogs, all of us. And we just go right for it because we've been so conditioned to allow everyone else and everything else to interrupt. And when that happens, it breaks the concentrated focus. In seasons of singleness, you need to be 100% focused on your season of single so that you can really understand the fullness of who you are so you can really then give that to the next person that God's got in mind for you if that's his will. And even thinking about this 60 minutes, actually, I don't know if you know this, I shared this in another message, but in 60 Minutes, they actually exposed this. They were doing research. And now if you go to school for computer science, that doesn't really exist much anymore, you'd actually go for computer marketing, and you would be required to take uh, two classes in neurology. Why? Because they're now training people the way the neurology of the brain works and how that connects to social media and tech. And they're doing things with technology, knowing how we're wired to pull greater parts of our attention away. For instance, I don't know if you knew this, but they will withhold likes on your Facebook so they can flood you all at once with them. Why? Because it releases uh, excited serotonin into your brain to go, well, look, everybody like that, right? And it's, it's, it's crazy. And that's what happens. It's not the technology. It's how we use the technology. And it's how it gets us away from things and unfocuses us. It's where you are with someone. How many, I went to a restaurant recently and I'm watching a couple. You ever watch couples in restaurants? Okay. And I'm watching them and they're sitting across the table from one another. And while sitting across the table from one another, this is their posture. I mean, they're there with their wife, their spouse, you know, and the whole time they're like this. Now, if they're texting one another, that's a whole nother problem, right? Okay, well, I'm so ticked off at you. I can only put it here. You know, I don't know. But I'm just thinking we've, we've lost this ability of just being, you know, of being, of learning to let God let us just be us and to conform us into the image of his son. So here's the last thought. Don't waste seasons of singleness on being selfish. Don't waste seasons of singleness on being selfish. What do I mean? Don't make it about you and what you're going to get. Leverage that season for how you can grow in your relationship with God and how God can make you a more complete believer. Because if you focus in that way, God will leverage that season to make you more whole. And that's also true if you're married. There's moments that I pull myself away to just work on me because I got lots of junk to work on so that when I come back together with my spouse, my wife, I'm more complete, not only for God, but for her. Does that make sense? 
So a couple things that will help you to do this. If you're starting um, new in the faith or you want to know what it means in basic Christianity, again, Wednesday night um, we'll be doing a class at 6. Now the reason we did uh, foundations at 6, as Pastor Bud said, was this. Some of you can't make Sundays a lot of times. So we thought, hey, let's just offer one on a Wednesday and see if it works for people. Um, Some nuances of the class. Anybody can take it, okay? Anyone can take it. The purpose of the class is to help you give a basis for what it means to be a believer so you can build on that basis, okay? Growing in grace, which Pastor Bud mentioned, anybody can take the class. You don't have to, my pastor, you don't have to take foundations to take growing in grace because the worst thing that will happen is you'll learn to read the Bible better. <sighs> like we don't want that to happen for people. Okay, that's the whole purpose of the class is you learn how to engage with the scripture yourself and really know how to let God speak to you individually so that you can actually be a more grounded believer. So you can take either class. You can take them out of order. They're made for you to do. And those will help you leverage and know how to hone in on um, being not only single, but being all that God wants you to be. Make sense? I love it. I'm going to pray for you and just pray for God as he encourages you, especially if you're in a season of single. I really want to pray for you. I really want to pray for you. I have many friends that are in that season, and I want you to be comfortable with where you are, complete with how God has made you, and then allow God in his sovereignty to open up the right doors for relationships when his timing is perfect. Amen? So we pray for you, and then Pastor Bud will come up and give us some closing instructions. Heavenly Father, for each person here, especially that's going through a season of single, whether they're widowed, divorced, they've never been married, or for a, a circumstance that I haven't even listed, Lord Jesus, would you right now touch them with your spirit? Would they sense the fullness and the completeness of your presence. Holy Spirit, would you enter into their lives and encourage them with where they are, that they are complete in you and in what Christ has done for them, that when Jesus covered over our sins by paying for our sins on the cross, he made us acceptable so that we would never have to feel lonely, so we would never have to feel incomplete. Lord, in those seasons when we feel incomplete, lonely, isolated, Remind us how close you are and how much you love us and how our dear brothers and sisters around us, especially when we're in group with them, can encourage us and to help us not feel isolated and not feel alone. God, encourage them and let them know they are full in Christ. We thank you for how you do this, not only for our friends that are single, but also for us in all the seasons of our life. For it's in Jesus' name we ask. Amen.